0: This morning. My name is Heath. I'm one of the team members here. Like Michael said earlier, we're just so glad you're here. If you're here and you're here for the first time, thanks for coming. There's ways to get connected. You can see those different ways on that handout you received on the way in. This morning, I've got David up here. He's helping out again. Let's give it up for David. Um, he's uh, illustrating some of these parables that we've been teaching on the last few weeks. Last week, we talked about the parables of the Lost, the parable of the lost coin, lost sheep, and the two lost sons. Uh, and this week, we'll be talking about the parable of the persistent widow. And so, it's been a great few weeks together. Uh, last week, of course, we celebrated all the veterans uh, who served and sacrificed their lives uh, for us. Let's just, let's just take a moment and just recognize the veterans in this house this morning. If you have served or are serving in the military, please stand up so we can recognize you in this moment together. Praise God. Praise God. (laughs) Remain standing. Remain standing. I'm just going to say a prayer over you. God, thank you so much. We recognize that freedom is not free. It costs a lot. I thank you for each person standing up in this room and the families represented as well. God, thank you for the sacrifice, the love, Lord, that represented here in these individuals. And Uh, Thank you for military families, we thank you for our veterans, and we just honor them here today. Bless this time together as we dig into your word, Uh, may your spirit move in us and through us, God, we love you, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. How many of you have worked out or exercised at at one time or another? (laughs) There's some elbowing in the ribs right now, hey, you should really hit the gym, buddy. Um, I worked out uh, a couple weeks ago, and I was doing a plank. We're not talking about Captain Hook and Wendy and Peter Pan and walking the plank. I'm talking about one of these. Have you, have you ever seen anybody do one of these? It's called a plank. And what you do is, yeah, thanks. Um, <laughs> supposedly, supposedly it's supposed to get rid of your love handles. Uh, but you do this for an extended period of time, and I'd set my timer and I was just, you know, chilling like this and hanging out, and my body started shaking, and I started dripping some sweat. I'm like, man, this is really lasting a long time. And I had set it for a minute, which isn't very long. Some of you were like, come on, Heath, a minute? Um, and I looked down at my timer eventually, and I had my phone on mute. And so I hadn't heard my timer. Apparently it had gone off a while ago. And so... Uh, that, that explained it. That explained it. Oh, thanks. You should try one too at some point. And maybe today while you're watching football. Um, many of us, maybe we haven't done a plank, but many of us find ourselves in a plank position. We find ourselves in the same position we've been in for a long time, and we're like, "Man, when's this timer going to go off?" God, God, when is this timer going to go off? I've been in the same position for a long time. My body's shaking. I'm, I'm sweating. God, if you could just take care of this relationship or this financial situation or uh, this health situation, God, when are you gonna listen to my prayers? Is it feels like it's falling on deaf ears, God, are you hard of hearing? Should I shout louder so you can answer my prayer? I mean, how many of us have been there where we feel like, man, we're just, it's a broken record day in and day out. We find ourselves in the same position and we become weary, Right? We become exhausted, we become tired, and we give up. We give up on God, we give up praying to God because he he hasn't answered our prayers in in a way that we would have hoped or expected. And and so we find ourselves in this in-between time here on earth. Here we are, 2019, on the verge of 2020. Jesus came 2,000 years ago, and he's gonna come back, right? Jesus is gonna come back, and we gotta be ready, But here we are in this in-between time, right? In-between time, and Jesus said, you will have trouble. On this earth, you will have trouble. You will be in a plank position for a long time. And he looks on our lives and he's looking for people of faith. He's looking for people who believe without seeing, without touching, without feeling. People who believe without without things working out accordingly, right? Trusting God's unchanging character in the midst of changing circumstances. In the midst of a world that doesn't change, we need to trust in a God who who never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we pray, God, change these circumstances, but they just don't change the way we want him to change them. And there's a situation in Luke chapter 18. There's this poor old widow. And she is desperate, like many of us have been, or maybe we are currently, We're desperate, we're helpless and we're reaching out for help and wisdom and resources. We've been in a series called Parables and a parable, if you remember, is a simple story that illustrates a spiritual lesson. We all love a good story, we get captivated by a good story. Here's a story in Luke 18 about this woman and she is desperate, she is in need. Let's read about it. Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. I like how, how, I like how Luke just kind of lays it out here, right? Here's the point of the parable. We should always pray and not give up. And he said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. Grant me justice against, against this enemy of mine. Now, I grew up uh, with a dad who was a judge. He retired earlier this year, and his motto was firm but fair. And I remember going door to door and saying, vote for my dad, firm but fair. And uh, this little eight-year-old, not nine-year-old kid, and, and, uh, and whenever my dad got elected, I was like, well, you're welcome. I mean, you're welcome. Firm but fair, Judge Krieger. But you know, one thing I admired about my dad, and he's not perfect, but um, he, he really strived to be a man of principle and integrity and fairness and treat each individual not as a number but as a, as a person and as a soul and as a child of God and just admire the way that he lived out his faith as a judge and, and really sought justice for people, especially people who were voiceless. But in this town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. This judge was supposed to, to be just, he was supposed to give a voice to the voiceless. He was supposed to stand up for those who were disenfranchised. But he was corrupt. He was self-absorbed, and he was more than likely money hungry. More than likely, there was a, a wealthy citizen uh, who uh, who knew that if the widow had gotten her way, that this this that he was going to lose money, and so he may have made this arrangement with the judge and said, hey, judge, you can't let this widow get her way, right? So I'm gonna lose money. So I'm gonna give you some money to make sure that you don't let this widow get justice. Most likely that was happening. So this judge was driven by his pride. He was driven by just this, uh, this this hunger for money and wealth. And there he was, not standing up for this poor old widow who kept coming to him, relentlessly and repeatedly. There was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. This widow was poor. It wasn't automatic. In fact, it was very common when uh, your husband would, would pass away that you, as, as the woman, as the wife, would not receive the estate. That was very common. And so you were left pinching pennies, hanging on by a thread. And so this woman was, was poor enough where she didn't have a, uh, enough money to, be, had to have a lawyer, to vouch for her. She didn't have a man at her side. Men were esteemed and respected back then. Women were not. So there she was flying solo, just desperate, on her knees every day, knocking on that door, help, 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 begging and prodding and pleading. And it was falling on deaf ears, falling on deaf ears, this corrupt judge and this vulnerable widow. For some time, verse four, he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, he just wanted to make that known, (laughs) I haven't changed. I haven't changed, just so you know. Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. I mean, that's how serious it had gotten. And the the Greek here is so that she won't come and give me a black eye because it already feels like I've got a black eye just emotionally, Like, my reputation's on the line here. There's some people outside with signs. We've all seen that on the news. And he feels threatened by this woman. And finally, he caves in and relents. Not because his character has changed. He's still self-absorbed, and he makes that known that he's not doing it because he has compassion. How dare he have compassion for this widow? But he's doing it so that he can just... You know, like a pesky fly, right? Just get out of here. All right, all right, sure, here, take it. I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, verse six, listen to what the unjust judge says. Listen closely. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? So some parables compare God, compare one of the characters to God, right? This is a comparable, get it? This is a comparable. Uh, this, 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 this parable is, is not a comparable. It's actually a contrastable, Okay. There's comparables that that say, okay, God is like this, but God is not like this judge, is he? This is a parable that contrasts. And so this judge is not like the God that we serve. The God that we serve is just, right? He looks out for the disenfranchised, the voiceless. If persistence pays off with an unjust human with limited power, how much more will our persistence pay off with a just, heavenly, loving Father with infinite power. Amen? I mean, how much more will our persistence pay off with a God, with a judge who looks after us? He wants to fulfill our deepest desires. And so this this judge is nothing like the judge, the king, the Lord that we serve. So it's contrasting God with this character. This judge in the story, this uncaring, unfit, ungodly judge, man, who's thankful today that we serve a a godly, loving, holy judge, our heavenly Father, Jesus, and he wants us to be protected. He wants us uh, to have all that we need. So here's the question we're asking this morning. Why does God want us to be persistent in prayer? Why does God want us to be persistent in prayer? You know, we'll get to the three main reasons in a second, but the first thing I think of is, man, when we keep asking God for things, what are we doing? We're paying attention to him, aren't we? We're paying attention to him. The best gift you can give someone is your attention. As a father, as a wife, as a brother, a sister, or a friend, the best gift you can give someone is your attention, because when you give them your attention, you give them your time. And when you give them your time, you give them your life. You're saying you are valuable, you are heard, you are important, you are special, so I'm gonna pay attention to you. Now God's not selfish, he doesn't need attention, but we're showing him that, that we love him and that we, that, we, that we wanna worship him, that we need him. And so when we ask him repeatedly for things, persistently for things. It's not because we have to beg him and pester him and prod him and and make pleas before him and just annoy him enough, frustrate him enough so then he will relent and give us what we want. That's not the God we serve. God wants to fulfill our deepest desires, but number one, he wants to change our character. He's more concerned about our character than he is our happiness. So while we're working on prayer, he's working on us. There's got to be a testing before the blessing. And so when we pay attention to him, he's like, yes, 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 my kids are fixing their eyes on me. They're fixing their eyes on me. You know, we have a God who pays attention to us. (laughs) He does. Isn't that humbling to think about? The God who made the universe, the God who made the stars and the sun and the planets and the valleys, this ocean that we see every day, the God who made each of us, he pays attention to us. He knows every hair on our head. He knows when we sit, when we rise, when we come, when we go. He works around the clock for us. He's up up 24-7 working for us even when we don't see him working. He's working, like we were saying earlier. Even when we don't feel it, he's working. He neither slumbers nor sleeps. He's up 24-7 working for us and in us. He has his eyes on us because he's our heavenly father and we are his precious kids, let that soak in for a second. Man, what if we paid attention to him? What if we paid attention to him? Because he pays attention to us. Not just when we're in a foxhole, like, okay, God, I realize I haven't paid much, paid much attention to you up, to the, up until this point, but I, I, know, I know you realize you know, I'm in a desperate situation here. I'm in a foxhole. It's, it's an emergency, okay. Yeah, God will hear us in those moments, but he's there all, all the time, 24-7. Not just when we're in a foxhole, when it's an emergency. The best gift we can give God is our attention, our time. We give him our life, just like we can give others our time, our attention, and our lives. My eyes are continually, Psalm 25, 15, my eyes are continually looking to the Lord for help. Can you say that about your life? Can you say that about your walk? With God, are your eyes continually looking to the Lord for help? Prayer in two words is simply, help me, help me, help me. Don't worry about these long theological fancy words. You don't have to impress God. Just be like a kid and just say, God, help me, help me. How easy it is for us to go to Google and Alexa and Siri or to a friend and or to a neighbor and to ask for help and wisdom. We go there first, and God's like, hey, I'm pretty good at what I do, by the way. I'm God, so come to me anytime. I got some wisdom for you, some counsel. Not that we don't go to other sources, but God wants us to go to him first. My eyes are continually looking to the Lord for help. So he wants us to be persistent in prayer because it's kind of like a test, kind of like a test. Listen to this, Zechariah 13, 9. I'll refine them as silver is refined. Test them for purity as gold is tested. Then they'll pray to me by name and I'll answer them personally. I'll say, that's my people. And they'll say, God, my God. God is our silversmith, so to speak. And he knows that we're at, when we're in a precious, desperate, difficult situation that we will reach out to him and depend on him. He knows that when we're in the pressure cooker, when there's stress, that's when we really get on our knees and cry out to him. Because it's in that stress that he can refine us. Right? He softens our heart a little bit. The purity's come out. He can see his reflection in us. He is a silversmith. Are we allowing him to refine us and mold us and chisel us and, and into his likeness? Because that's what happens when we Go to him persistently in prayer. The destination's the destination and he will provide in his timing when he, when he knows is right. But the journey, that's where the character is refined. That's where we go from boys to men, from girls to women in our faith to become more mature as followers of Jesus. There's a testing before the blessing. Sometimes he allows us to go through stress in order to grant us success down the road. His university is our adversity. I know, I wish I could grow some other way, right? God, can you just grow me some other way? You know, an easier way, more convenient way, a more comfortable way? That's not how he works. So it's a test. It's a test. Because he knows what's best for us. The first reason that he tests us through persistent prayer is Because of our desires, praying persistently tests our desires. You have desires. I have desires. God's given us desires. It's okay to have desires. But it's not okay to have destructive desires, inappropriate desires, harmful desires. Are your desires helpful? Are they constructive? Are they appropriate? Do they fall in line with who God is and who he wants us to be? He doesn't just answer prayers because it's just, you know, it's something we'll just throw up there, right? Here you go, God. He's not in the business of answering whims. He wants to see us come before him repeatedly, consistently, and persistently. Why? Because he knows that we need him. And when we do that, we're drawing closer and closer and closer to his feet and to an intimate relationship with him. So what are your desires, he wants to test your desires. They evolve over time. They change over time, right? Now, we were in the mall not too long ago, and one of my, one of my kids, uh, you know, they started asking repeatedly for something. Hey, Dad, hey, Dad, hey, Dad, hey, Dad, hey, Dad, can I, can I have, can I have, can I have, can I have? Uh, and I realized it was not a whim because it, that request was made later on, too. And so our Heavenly Father tests our desires. He wants to see repetitive, consistent, persistent prayers, not because we have to bug him or pester him so he finally relents and says, ah, stop bugging me, stop annoying me, here you go. But because he knows that what's best for us is to just pursue him. Last, we talked about how God pursues us, right? It takes two to tango. He's waiting for us to pursue him. So not just a one-time request, but multiple Request, actually, that's a sign of maturity. I mean, you may argue that, Heath, all you gotta do is just pray once, right? God hears your prayer, just pray once and just trust, have faith that he heard it and he's gonna provide. He's gonna answer your prayer. I see what you're saying there, but he wants us to, to not just pray on a whim. When, I, when my kids ask for something repeatedly, I know they're serious about it. I know they're serious about their, their desire and their request, so I pay attention. Because they're paying attention to me. And there's a relationship there. Psalm 37.4, maybe you've heard this, maybe you've quoted this to God when you've asked for things repeatedly. Take delight in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Hey, God, remember that verse in Psalms? You said you'd give me the desires of my heart. Remember that? But there's a caveat in there, right? Delight in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. When our delight is in the Lord and who he is, then our requests, our desires will be aligned with his desires and his heart. Maybe you haven't gotten what you've requested because you have not been delighting and just soaking up and consuming his love and a relationship with him. God wants our hearts. He wants us to move closer and closer to him. Take delight in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. What a promise that is. Let that sink in for a second. What a promise that is, that our Heavenly Father is just waiting. He's just waiting. He's got his arms full of good things to provide you, but but he's waiting on you. We're waiting on God, but he's waiting on you to work your way towards him in prayer. He's waiting on you and I to just delight in him like a child. To set aside our critical spirit and and read the Bible and approach Him in prayer like a child, full of wonder and awe and curiosity. Take delight in the Lord. He'll give you, He will give you the desires of your heart. The second reason that that God wants us to pray persistently not only it tests our desires, what our desires are, but it tests our priorities. What's your priority in life? What's most important to you? You might say, oh, Heath, my faith's most important to me. God's most important to me. I mean, hello, that's kind of a given. But if I saw how you spent your time, if I saw how you spent your money, is there evidence, is there evidence that God is your top priority, following him and obeying him is your top priority? I mean, I say that right now and it convicts me. Is God your top priority? and What do you worry about? What do you worry about? What's the last thing on your mind when you go to bed? First thing in your mind when you wake up. That says a lot about what your priority is, about where your attention is, where your trust is. Are you a care worrier or are you a prayer warrior? Are you a prayer warrior? Because prayer can change the future. Worry cannot change the future. God is already there in the future. Today has enough, enough, enough troubles of, of their own. Our brains are like train stations. Sometimes that train of thought can just get pretty far from the train station, and we all know trains. The further away they get from the train station, the harder they are to control. So we gotta take that thought captive right away. Maybe there's a moment of worry, a moment of stress, a moment of anxiety. We gotta take that thought captive and give it to God. Allow his perfect peace to consume our minds and our hearts. And remember that he's in control. Prayer changes the future. Worry doesn't. And by the way, worry is a form of atheism, practical atheism. What's atheism? It's, it's not believing the, in, in the existence of God. When we worry, we're saying that, God, you don't exist, and I don't trust you with my future. Oof. Practical atheism. Listen to this verse, Matthew 6, 32. Why be like unbelievers who worry about everything? Your heavenly Father already knows all your needs and he will give you all you need if, if your first concern is to live for his kingdom. Are your priorities right? Are you keeping the main thing, the main thing? Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. All these things will fall in proper order. Before your feet hit the ground every day, don't jump into task mode, checklist mode. Don't let your mind start racing. Take that moment, take it captive, give it to God in prayer. God, I give my day to you, I give all my anxieties to you. First Peter 2, 6, cast all your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. Is your first concern to live for his kingdom? Don't be like an unbeliever. Unbelievers live without hope. Unbelievers live without peace. Unbelievers walk around all the time worrying, wound tight. But as believers, as followers of Christ, as people who have surrendered their lives to Jesus, we know that he is the author and perfecter of our lives. Jeremiah 29 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Many of us know that verse. It's on our dashboard. It's on our refrigerator. But are you living it? Are you believing it? He has our future in his hands. Don't worry about it. Yes, be diligent. Yes, make plans. But submit them, surrender them to God. Because he's the one who can change what's to come through prayer. He is waiting on us. When we're, when we're working on prayer, he's working on us. He wants us to have success, but only through a test, only through the stress. He wants to refine us and mold us and chisel us into his likeness. Are we allowing him to do that? Listen to this, Psalm 8411. No good thing will the Lord withhold from those who do what is right. No good thing will the Lord withhold from those who do what is right. There is nothing God will not give the man or woman whose heart is right with him. You get that? We serve a generous God. He's filthy rich. He wants to give us all of his good stuff. Just make your heart right with him. We know that Jesus ultimately made our hearts right with him. Our relationship is set. It is in the blood. It is in his blood, but every day there's a fellowship. There's an there's a ongoing fellowship, friendship with God that we've got to invest in because he wants to give us all good things. He will not withhold anything from his kids whose attention is on him. So is your life in order? Look at your life. Is it in order? Is it in order? How much time are you spending in the word of God? How much time are you spending in that precious, pure word of God? Are you spending more time on social media, more time watching TV? What is it that's taking the place of God in your life? Maybe it's time to draw a line in the sand, put a stake in the ground, and say, God, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I want to commit my life to you, to worshiping you first and foremost. Maybe you've been praying persistently about something, but your heart's not right. God's waiting on you. The third reason that God wants us to pray persistently, not only because it tests our desires and our priorities, but it tests our maturity. It's like a gut check. To, some of us need to set aside our childish view of God. We need to set, our, need to set aside our childish view of God that says, uh, God just needs to be annoyed and pestered and prodded so that he can answer my prayers. No, we have a good God who wants to provide for us in his timing. You know, I'm sorry, I just want to apologize. I I, I know I share a good number of illustrations about my kids, but that's just my life, and so I just want to say I'm sorry. (laughs) But here's another one. My kids love ice cream, and when I tell them uh, not yet, they take that as a no. They take that as a no, but as my as their father, I know what's best for them. You can't have ice cream all the time, come on. But they go over to a corner and throw a tantrum. That's a childish, childish way of, of uh, 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 that's a childish view of God. I'm not out to get them, I'm out to grow them. I'm in the business of raising adults, not kids. I know what's best for their development. So we can't confuse a, a denial and a delay, right? A a, a delay is not a denial. A a, a not yet is is not a no. That's a lot of negatives in there if you're tracking with me, right? My kids have to trust me in the same way we gotta trust our Heavenly Father. He knows what's best for us. Remember the first time that our son, uh, he, he was in his crib a number of years ago. He's 11 now. Uh, a number of years ago, I remember that first night where Lindsay and I heard him crying. This was at the top of his lungs, full stereo. Sounded like he was in pain and agony. And we just, we were like, okay, we're committed. It feels like we're the worst parents ever. But we're committed to letting him cry himself to sleep. And it was like, oh, God, let's just go in there. Let's just save him. Let's just rescue him. But we knew that what was best for his development and his maturity was to just let him cry. Let him figure it out because we knew that we were raising an adult, not a kid. We knew we were preparing him for the future. He didn't realize it in that moment, but that was what was best for him. In the same way, God wants us to keep crying out to him, keep crying out to him, keep crying out to him. And I'm sure he just wants to answer it, answer it, answer it. But he knows what's best for us, because he's our heavenly father. and He knows that it's in the journey, it's in the process, but we become more and more and more like him, and he's preparing us, and he's maturing us. Praying persistently tests our maturity to know the difference between a not yet and a no, a delay and a denial. When when we're whining, he, he is working. God left Hezekiah on his own for a while, 2 Chronicles 32, 31. He left Hezekiah on his own for a while to see what he would do. God wanted to test his heart. Maybe God's leaving us us alone for a little while because he wants to test us. In our loneliness, may may we not be tempted to walk away from God, but in our loneliness, may we cling to God. May we cling to him, may we pursue him even more. He's testing us. Remember how the Lord your God, Deuteronomy 8, two. remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey his commands? There is a testing before the blessing, friends. We gotta go through a mess so that we can have a message. We gotta go through a test so we can have a testimony. God is testing us. Maybe you're in the wilderness right now. You need to trust that God is with you and he's for you and he's gone ahead of you. And he's chiseling away some hard places in our hearts so that we can become more like him. He's taking care of the the cause instead of the symptom. We We get caught up in the symptom, don't we? God, erase the debt. God, take me out of this job. God, heal this person. Heal that person. Those are all great prayers. Keep praying those prayers. But God... God's working on our own hearts. He's getting to the root of our own hearts. He's working on the cause, not the symptom. He'll take care of the symptom. We have a heavenly father who who wants to give good gifts to his kids. Here's the question. Am I willing to let God change me instead of my circumstances? Is your faith in God, is your trust in God strong enough that even though your circumstances haven't changed, that you still believe in him, you still trust him, you still have hope in him. See, true faith is trusting in who God is, regardless of what he does or doesn't do. That's a conditional faith, just trusting and believing in God because of what he does or doesn't do. A simple, childlike faith is just trusting in who God is. He is our loving, just, pure righteous, heavenly Father who wants to give good gifts to his kids. But he wants his kids to to keep persistently pursuing him, not giving up along the way. Rick Warren says this. He says, when my request is not right, God says no. In other words, when my desire does not align with his desire, then God says no. When I'm not right, God says, grow. When I'm not right, God says, grow. When the timing is not right, God says, slow. God's neither early nor late. He's right on time. The timing's not right, God says, slow. When my request and the timing and my character are all lined up right, God says what? Go, he says, go. I'm gonna close with this, Ephesians 6, 18. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in all your prayers for all believers everywhere. There's some words in there that jump out. All times, every occasion, all your prayers, all believers everywhere. Maybe you've stopped praying for something because you've lost faith. Maybe you've stopped praying for something that you need to start praying for again. What is is that situation, and who is that person you need to start praying for? Go to God in prayer, trusting who he is, his character, his very essence, is loving and gracious and compassionate, and he wants to give good gifts to his kids. Get your heart right with God. Soak up his love and his grace for you. May you walk in his ways. And may you delight in him because he wants to give you the desires of his heart. It was a few years ago when Lindsay and I found ourselves on our knees before God. We were bitter, we were angry, we were doubtful, we were full of fear. Why? Because we wanted kids. And God was not providing kids for us according to our timing. And there were some hard days. There were some days where I walked away from God. There were some days that, that we walked away from each other. But when all of it was said and done, God used that difficult time in our lives to draw us closer together in our relationship, Lindsay and I, and closer together with God. He was chiseling away. He was softening our hearts, molding our hearts. He was he was working on us. While we were working on prayer, he was working in us and on us. Do not become weary in doing good. At the proper time, you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. Now, once a month, we receive a special offering. It's called the Community Fund. Michael mentioned that earlier. And this is a time where we consider the poor old widows in our community. This is a time where we, uh, where we use our resources and what God has given us to bless others. This wanna encourage you during this next um, offering to, to give out of a heart that's cheerful, give out of a heart that's compassionate, out of a heart that reflects the heart of God. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you that you test our desires, our maturity, our priorities. You test our faith. You are more concerned about who we are and our character than our happiness. God, thank you that you are a God of generosity. You are a God of love and compassion. And you are on the edge of your seat. You can't wait to give good gifts to those who follow you. God, I pray that each of us would just take delight in you this week and trust that you will give us the desires of your heart every time. You will not withhold anything that is good. God, thank you that that you hear our prayers. and Thank you that you answer them according to your will and your timing. We love you, Jesus. We pray all this. Never stop working. Never stop.